Welcome to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio, keeping you connected to your faith and your world. Teresa tackles the issues of faith and culture, the pro-life message, and media awareness. And now, here's Teresa Tamio. And it's a Friday. It's January 12, 2024. Great to be with you on a Friday and every day here at the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. And before we get into the weather and the news and on the rundown, as we say in the biz and all that good stuff, I do want to wish my beautiful mother-in-law, Mary, a very happy birthday on this January 12th. She's 91 years young. And I mean young because she's amazing and she certainly doesn't look 91, but she's such a, a great witness and a big supporter of, of me and Dom. And so just happy birthday, Ma. That's what I call her, Ma. All right, moving right along, weather-wise, batten down the hatches, as they say. The National Weather Service is telling us We have a powerful winter storm bringing heavy snow, strong winds, and blizzard conditions from the mid-Missouri Valley, Midwest to the Great Lakes through tomorrow. And if that's not enough, behind that system, we have dangerous frigid temperatures likely across the Rockies and Plains through the weekend. And severe thunderstorms are possible across the southeast today with strong winds, hail, and a few tornadoes that are possible. So it doesn't look like any part of the country is getting away with anything with this huge winter storm because it's affecting various regions in different ways. So keep an eye on that. And uh, for those in the Midwest, they're saying it's going to start to hit sometime this afternoon. So keep that in mind. In terms of our rundown today, we are going to be chatting, as we always do on Fridays, with our very own Doug Keck. He is our president and chief operating officer of the network. You know him well from his great work, not only behind the scenes, but on camera, of course, with Bookmark and other programs, Father Spitzer's Universe. He's going to be joining us, as he does every week, giving us an idea with the inside word as to what's coming up in our coverage and looking forward to talking about our coverage next week of the March for Life, which is just like 24-7, as we say in the biz, gavel-to-gavel coverage. This is no easy task, folks. And this is what we do. Nobody else, I'm sorry, I'm very, very sorry, as my mother used to say, and I have to get it out there, nobody covers the March like we do. Not only the March for Life in D.C., but the West Coast Walk for Life, the L.A. March for Life, all over the country we have a presence. And in Canada, by the way, And they have their March for Life in June in terms of uh, their event, but we're there as well. So we'll talk about that with Doug coming up at 15 minutes past the hour. Fact check Friday at the bottom of the hour. We're proud of the students at Notre Dame and the Irish Catholic Rover for standing up for the truth and very professionally doing their homework. What a concept. And doing investigations into a professor there at a Catholic university, a very pro-abortion professor who sues the paper for defamation when they were quoting her on her very own statements that were documented both on X, at panel discussions, and even in a recorded interview that she did with the editor of the paper, and she still sues them. Well, the case was tossed out. We'll have more on that at the bottom of the hour. Wrapping up with Mark Minendorf. He's the president of Ave Maria University. Beautiful article in the Register, and we're picking up on this article to hopefully, again, continue with this push for this wonderful effort of prayer They're called Mary's Marines, and we'll tell you all about it coming up at 39 minutes past the hour. Already three minutes past, a lot of news as usual, never a dull moment. Let's get started and see what's happening across the country on a Friday morning, January 12th. Mark Mayfield has more on the storm. People living in the central U.S. especially are being told to get ready for not only bad weather, but extremely cold temperatures. Forecasters are warning that an Arctic blast of sub-freezing air will be plunging into the lower 48 states next week and could set records for daily low temperatures. The northern plains could see temperatures 60 degrees below normal as soon as Saturday, with highs below zero through the weekend. By Monday, temperatures in the single digits could reach as far south as Amarillo, Texas, and as far east as Indianapolis. Daily cold records could also be set from the northwest to the Gulf Coast from Saturday through Tuesday. In response to new Vatican guidelines permitting non-liturgical pastoral blessings of homosexual couples, Catholic News Agency reports the bishops of Africa issuing a united statement in which they say there will be no blessings of homosexual couples in the African churches. The letter issued yesterday, written by the president of the Symposium of the Episcopal Conferences of Africa and Madagascar. In the letter, the bishops say they have strongly reaffirmed their communion with the Pope, but they believe that the extra-liturgical blessings proposed in the new declaration that came out in December cannot be carried out in Africa without exposing themselves to scandals. They add that document caused a shockwave in Africa and has also sown misconceptions and unrest 
in the minds of the lay faithful, consecrated persons, and even pastors. The bishops remind the faithful that the document does not change church teaching on marriage. The letter is the first instance of the church in an entire continent rejecting same-sex blessings as proposed in those papers. Rochester Winona Bishop Robert Barron urging Catholics in the state to oppose legislation that would allow terminally ill patients to get medical help to end their lives. Bishop Barron posting an article on his website last week calling physician-assisted suicide the slipperiest of slopes, arguing life is a gift from God, death cannot be considered a matter of personal choice. The proposal will be debated by state lawmakers when the next session of the legislature begins in Minnesota next month. Pope Francis authorizing the first systematic and complete restoration of the Baldacchino of St. Peter's Basilica almost 400 years after work began on John Lorenzo Bernini's Baroque masterpiece. The restoration is being supported by the Knights of Columbus. That restoration of the Baldacchino, the main altar at St. Peter's, will be undertaken in three phases, beginning with provisional work and planning and continuing with preliminary and on-site diagnostics and documentation. In the third phase, the work of the restoration will focus on restoring the metal, bronze, and iron surfaces, the stone surfaces, and the wooden structures of the Baldacchino. That project, by the way, expected to cost some $770,000. A group of students from Harvard are suing the school over anti-Semitism on campus. Alexander Kestenbaum and five other anonymous students, along with Students Against Anti-Semitism, filing that lawsuit claiming Harvard is allowing anti-Semitism to be spread on campus. They allege the university fails to protect Jewish students. That complaint includes examples such as protesters being allowed to yell slogans, such as glory to the martyrs or Jewish students being harassed in the law school's student lounge. The Pentagon's inspector general will review how the department handled Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin's hospitalization. To examine the roles, processes, procedures, responsibilities, and actions related to the Secretary of Defense's hospitalization. That is Brigadier General Pat Ryder telling reporters LSS whether the Department of Defense policies are sufficient to ensure timely and appropriate notifications. This as Austin has faced strong criticism for failing to promptly notify top officials of his absence during hospitalization for prostate cancer. He was hospitalized January 1st following a December cancer surgery and spent days at the ICU at Walter Reed. President Biden and other top officials did not learn of his hospitalization until days later. Lisa Taylor tells us a watchdog report finds the Pentagon did not properly track more than a billion dollars worth of weapons sent to Ukraine. The Pentagon Inspector General says that the Defense Department improved its ability to track military aid to Ukraine, but it didn't fully comply with requirements. The report says much of the equipment sent is delinquent. That means it isn't possible to inventory everything sent to Ukraine. It all comes at a crucial moment on the Hill as Congress debates whether to authorize more Ukraine aid. Full 85% of the illegal immigrants who are caught crossing the southern border are processed and released into the U.S. each day. Texas Republican Congressman Tony Gonzalez says that's unacceptable. Once again, the administration is rewarding those that are doing it the wrong, the, the wrong way, uh, that are breaking our laws. When migrants are released, they are required to show up for a court hearing to determine if they qualify for asylum. Some are given dates, others are not. The White House claims it's up to Congress to solve the problem. The state of Texas seizing control of a public park along the border with Mexico. Eagle Pass Mayor Rolando Salinas is not happy about it, especially since the park will not be available for their citizens who pay for it. I asked why this operation. Uh, they tell me that it is, uh, of course, the mission is to, to prevent undocumented people from crossing. There has been a battle between the city and the state over Shelby Park, sitting on the banks of the Rio Grande. For more than one year, it was a headquarters of Operation Lone Star. It's also where a floating border wall was launched. Last August, city leaders took back control so that residents could use their recreation areas and boat ramps. Andrew Whitman tells us reports say the Adams administration in New York City considering instituting curfews on all city-run migrant shelters. The Daily News reporting the administration's operations director for asylum seekers disclosed the idea to local leaders in a closed-door meeting Thursday. This after reports of migrants in city shelters venturing into nearby neighborhoods begging for money. The city reportedly considering some exemptions for migrants who have found jobs doing food deliveries and other gig work. City-run shelters for the homeless already have curfews. Some 69,000 migrants are currently living in city-run shelters. 3,400 new migrants entered the system last week as another 2,800 migrants left the system. 
The Biden administration working with a bipartisan group, it says, of senators to strike a deal on an international package that includes reforms to stop a surge of illegal immigration. And there's now a push to raise the standards for asylum while granting work permits to those who will likely qualify. It's very burdensome on cities and counties to have to continue to foot the bill for them when, when there are jobs available. El Paso County Commissioner David Stout says that returning illegal immigrants to Mexico does not solve the problem. They just cross again. Also on the table, expanding expedited deportations of families traveling with children. A report out this week shows drug overdose deaths among teens has hit an all-time high. Much of this driven by the deadly opioid fentanyl, which has been flowing across the southern border into Texas. Over 200,000 Americans have died from fentanyl. Texas Republican Congressman Mike McCall making this a big part of a hearing this week, looking to impeach the head of Homeland Security. The report in the New England Journal of Medicine shows New England Journal of Medicine shows that drug overdose deaths are the equivalent of a high school classroom of teens dying every week, and it's now the third leading cause of death in children under the age of 19. The FAA opening an investigation into Boeing's quality control, as Tom Costello tells us, this after a door blew off of an Alaska Airlines flight last week. The left side door plug of the aircraft detached last Friday mid-flight, causing the cabin to depressurize and forcing an emergency landing. The lawsuit says the incident caused economic, physical, and emotional pain for those on the flight. The lawsuit comes as the FAA has opened an investigation into Boeing's quality control. The FAA said in a new statement that the door plug failure should never have happened and it cannot happen again. The investigation is focusing on whether the company failed to make sure that its products adhered to approved designs. A United flight making an emergency landing after an open door light went off. After takeoff, it landed in Tampa safely, departing about an hour and a half later. The Airbus A319 was carrying 120 passengers with the incident coming after a door plug blew off of a Boeing plane during an Alaska Airlines flight last week, as you just heard. The 2024 tax season kicking off on January 29th. Deanna Kodak tells us this year the IRS is starting a new feature called Direct File. It's a direct e-file program through the IRS. It works much like TurboTax and H&R Block, except it's free and run by the government. It's available this year in three states, California, Arizona, and Florida. It'll be made available in phases, with the last phases complete by mid-March. During this pilot stage, the service will be limited to filers with mostly simple returns, those with certain types of income, and those who claim minimal credits and deductions. Finally, in our news segment, at almost 13 past the hour, on a Friday morning, January 12, 2024, Hertz now replacing 20,000 EVs, electric vehicles, with regular gasoline cars. The rental company backtracking after pushing into the EV market. Executives saying the EVs are hurting their bottom line. Hertz is being hurt financially, as collision and damage repairs can sometimes be about twice what it would have been with a combustion engine vehicle. That's according to the CEO, Stephen Schur, who said in a phone call with the company. When we come back, we check in, as we always do on Fridays, with our very own President and Chief Operating Officer, Doug Keck, giving you the inside word on great programming, especially this time of year when we go all out and cover the March for Life in D.C. and other marches around the country and give it, as we say in the biz, gavel-to-gavel coverage. We'll be right back. Resetting your password unsubscribing from emails, printing anything. Why are simple things sometimes so complicated? Thankfully, with an auto owner's insurance independent agent, getting the right coverage for your business doesn't have to be one of them. So you can get back to more important things, like learning how that printer works. That's simple human sense. Call Choice Insurance Agency at 734-641-4200. What do we mean when we ask our Heavenly Father not to lead us into temptation? Is it possible for God to tempt us? It is not, asserts the Catholic Catechism. God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself tempts no one. Translating from the Greek verb to a single English verb is the difficulty. The Greek verb means we are asking God not to allow us to take the way that leads us to sin. This petition addresses the battle between flesh and the spirit, imploring the spirit of discernment and truth. With the Holy Spirit, we can discern between trials which are necessary for our growth and temptations which lead to sin and death. Discernment also entails distinguishing between being tempted and consenting to temptation. It unmasks the lie of temptation which makes the object look desirable when in fact its fruit is death. God will never allow us to be tempted beyond our strength, says St. Paul. The battle, however, can only be won by prayer. 
This is Peggy Stanton, and this has been the Order of Malta's Minute with the Catechism. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. January 12th of the new year, 2024, Doug Keck on the Comrex, as we say, in the studio at EWTN, and he's the president and chief operating officer of the network. And Doug, before we get into the great coverage that we have planned for all the different pro-life activities next week, I do want to pay tribute to an amazing woman uh, who passed away recently, and she was just, I can't even, when I got the email that she passed away suddenly, my heart sank and I almost fell out of my chair because it just was just so sudden and shocking but Lee South was just an incredible sweet woman who did so much good for EWTN and elsewhere absolutely uh for over 25 years we worked really closely together and uh you know her her first name was actually Dinah it was Dinah Lee South and she was a dynamo as you know and um, she was dynamite for so many of the people who worked there, kind of like the den mother, and mm-hmm. the most. Uh, and certainly over the years, um, was you know I, I said you know in some ways she was the better half of Bookmark. You know more than my right arm, she was my right brain. She <laughs> she was always anticipating what we wanted to do or what we should be doing, and made my life so easy. And and everybody else who came to EWTN, she was like the official greeter. Oh, my goodness. Um, and if you were down, mm-hmm. she brought you up, and she was always a great cheerleader for everything we ever did at EWTN and uh, really a person who will be greatly, greatly, greatly missed and one of the one of the, the heartbeats of EWTN, uh, the behind-the-scenes, mm-hmm. the kind of real people there that you maybe don't see on TV but are are integral to everything that goes on in Mother's Mission. Yeah, we were talking during the break. I'd always bump into her down taping Catholic mm-hmm. View or maybe to be on your show, Bookmark, or another right. show. She'd be down at the coffee machine, and she'd always say, oh, I love your outfit, and how are you? What's going on? Right. How's Deacon Dominic? Just always just so supportive and smiling. Never saw her without a smile or, or, or heard anything but a warm greeting from her, ever. Right, that was Lee. That was her. That was her view. That was the way she kept going. And she's a person like uh, the rest of us, you know. Had a lot of had tragedy in her life, uh, you know. Had lost her husband mm-hmm. Ned, who was a former Episcopal priest, who was a really good friend of uh, of us as a couple. We were uh, really good friends, and I traveled with Ned for many years. Uh, when he was doing programming for EWTN, and that was a big loss. And she, uh, you know, uh, went on and uh, continued to work and uh, as a grandmother uh, to her, her her grandchildren and her kids. And, uh, you know, she just kept on going. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and God bless her, really, God bless her. So well, we're we praying for all you, and I, yeah, I know it's yep. a heartbreak, and, and many yep. of us who, who uh, even if we're not down at headquarters, or if we're connected to right. the network newly and, and the gift that she was, and, and we're praying for all of you. So thank you for that. Thank but you. Know, the people like that behind the scenes, and, and this is what you don't see when you right. turn on the TV or when you go on our website, EWTN.com, or listen to us on the radio. It's, it's not just the, uh, those of us who are on the air. You can't do it right. without people like Lee. Absolutely, absolutely, and especially, uh, you know, we can't do it uh, without that support, uh, just like we can't do it without the support of the people who watch and pray for us and, mm-hmm. and even donate money. But, you know, we also do it with a lot less support than most other secular yep. or larger groups would do, and so the people behind the scenes are even working harder uh, than maybe the people who would be their similar uh you know, type people in other locations and other places. And so, uh, again, they were as equally part of the mission, as equally dedicated to working for EWTN because of the nature of what we do and because of the good news that, you know, Mother Angelica wanted the world to hear. She wanted us to bathe the world in the truth. And then it was up to the Holy Spirit to convert hearts. Uh, So uh, he does the hard work. But uh, we get to do some great stuff, and, and we get to get some of the rewards of hearing from people whose mm-hmm. lives have been, yeah. been changed, whether they're you know young and changed or at the last minutes right before uh, they're facing um, you know 
death uh, to have that consolation, you know, is a wonderful, wonderful thing to know that something you can do in your life uh, has that kind of positive impact on people. So let's go back a years because you've been at the network for a long time. Mm-hmm. Mother's commitment to what we're doing next week across the country, not just in Washington. A week from today, we'll be at the, God willing, the March for Life in D.C., but of course the uh, March for Life LA, the Walk for Life West Coast, right. and so many other events that we cover. What was her commitment to making sure that we were there? 150%. Uh, I don't think that she, that you could have found somebody more committed to the pro-life movement. She was totally uh, committed because of her connection to the child Jesus, uh, which was so important to her. She kept a little version of the child Jesus in her in her rosary pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, El Divino Nino, you know, she had that experience in South America. Uh, and he was the inspiration for the shrine. And so you had that child connection for Mother always with the child Jesus. And, of course, abortion, uh, you know, uh, the, the butchering of these babies. And, yes, uh, for as long as anybody watched DWTN, and certainly as long as I knew Mother Angelica, you know, her, her one of her top, top things was always pro-life. She always had Nellie Gray on her live mm-hmm. show. Back in the days when the ability to cover kinds of events like that were much more costly and much more difficult than they are today. Uh, and so over a period of time, uh, we kind of inched our way in, certainly in the late 90s. We you know, we started doing, obviously, the masses, which we, we will continue to do, the opening mass and Holy Hour, the National Prayer Vigil for Life coming up on the 18th at 5 p.m. and then the closing mass of the prayer vigil that morning, uh, right before the coverage of the mass. So we'd start with those masses, and then we kind of did a, a live shot from after the mass, and then we said, "Well, let's do the platform. We can try that." And Marcus Grodi was involved with that early on, and I we remember did that. The plat- yep. mm-hmm. We did the platform. Uh, and it got that coverage. And we said, well, what can we do of the march itself? How, you know, at least the beginning of the march, let's get coverage. And then over a period of time, we, we just incrementally expanded our coverage uh, to now being, as, as you described, uh, wall to wall. Um, you know what I mean? Gavel to gavel. Uh, and a coverage of the March for Life over the last, uh, you know, 30 years and certainly the last uh, 28, 29 years I've been at EWTN and it's always been something that was uh, near and dear to our hearts at EWTN, our programming team and Peter Gagnon and on the Spanish side, etc. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously we have uh, Jim and Joy who do their own program, who are great pro-life warriors, our pro-life weekly program, obviously is there, uh, along with the radio show you do and others. So uh, uh, there's not a more pro-life organization than EW10, and that started from the top down, and that's because of mm-hmm. Mother Angelica. And so next week, and you, you mentioned some of the events mm-hmm. with the opening mass and whatnot, but our coverage begins at 9.30 with Prudence and Catherine out in the riser, and right. then I'll be going up at 10 o'clock, and then I'll be doing various hits before the rally. And then we've got people in the field uh, at the Capitol, at the Supreme Court. Catherine is going right. from the riser to the studio to the Supreme Court. She's going to be all over the place. And so the coverage is going to be great, and it's very upbeat, but it's, it's consistent. Right. I mean, you won't miss a thing. You'll see the interviews and, and some of the pre-produced pieces we'll have, and then you'll also be taken to the rally stage to the keynote speakers, and then it's out to the streets of the march. Right, absolutely. And, and again, that was another incremental thing. It used to be that we could get uh, down by the, you know, the Capitol building and you'd see the back of the march as it moved past. And then after a period of time uh, with Women No More, we were doing, we, we did uh, one year, we just did a live shot from there. Uh, you know, with the uh, regret, you know, kind of... Silent uh, No More, yeah. Silent No More mm-hmm. that, that uh, you guys were doing. I've said Women No More, I apologize. Yeah, Silent No More, and then we were able to expand our coverage there. Obviously, live view technology and even phone technology now the is a lot easier cameras to are amazing. get, yeah. get um, remote coverage. And, and obviously, we, we present that now, as you indicated, with the Supreme Court. So we really, really do cover it from the very beginning to the very end. And now, uh, this uh, week, uh, this time, we're also going to have a special new event, which is happening after the march at 4.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And this is the live fest mass. And Archbishop William Laurie is the celebrant for the second annual live fest mass, which we will feature. And it's the rally from the Washington, D.C. Armory, sponsored by the wonderful Sisters of Life and, of course, oh, the Knights cool. of Columbus. Uh, so it's happening in the morning, the actual event. 
but with everything else going on, right. you know, what we're going to do is record it and then play it after mm-hmm. so that people uh, who, who aren't going to be there can appreciate it following the march. So you get to see the two masses, the entire coverage of the march, all the way through the Supreme Court, and then we'll be able to... Uh, access uh, this event as well, the, the Life Fest Mass, which is, again, something that's happened over the last couple of years. Uh, so we're excited about that. We've also got a special uh, roundtable that's happening that night called Doctors Standing Firm, International Pro-Life Roundtable with Pro-Life Doctors. Uh, that's at 8 p.m. So check out and all of our wonderful March for Life coverage. And again, next Saturday as well, Walk the yeah, Life, Walk West, the Life Coast, West Coast, yep. One Life mm-hmm. LA, Pro-Life Mass from Los Angeles as well. So... If you want pro-life, check out EW10.com. Amen. For the full schedule and, of course, as we said, gavel-to-gavel coverage. Thanks, Doug. We'll be right back. Eight minutes past the hour. Welcome back, Catholic Connection. And as Doug Keck said, our president and chief operating officer, don't forget, I know we went through a lot of information because there's so much great coverage that we do on radio and TV online. And you can find out everything in terms of that schedule for all of our coverage online at EWTN.com. I'm honored to be one of the field reporters again, and we will be there uh, bright and early. We'll be showing up at the rally area at the mall, and we'll be there. I think we hit the airwaves at 930 with Prudence and Catherine, and then I'm up at 10, and then we do what we call various hits throughout the morning before the rally. And then the rally starts. We show that. Our crew heads out. My field producer and I, Robert Bush, and I will be heading out onto the streets to do interviews. We'll be at the front of the march with the banner, and then it's just uh, live news all the time, grabbing people along the march and just uh, being very uplifted by the interviews and seeing so many wonderful people, not only from across the country but around the world, making a difference in the March for Life and the pro-life movement in general. So, again, you don't want to miss it. You could set your you know, your TV, record it, your DVR, and but just go to EWTN.com. And then they re-air the events over the next couple of days after the marches because you have the March for Life D.C., you have Walk for Life West Coast, you have One Life L.A. So there's a whole series of events. And I understand San Diego is also having a big march as well, and that's happening tomorrow. So, again, EW10.com for all the details. Okay, so Fact Check Friday is also going to be a pro-life discussion, and I'm so proud. There's so many young journalists at various universities, especially solid uh, Catholic students who are making a difference and doing their homework and doing the research as opposed to allowing themselves to be manipulated by particular people who only want either A, good coverage, or want to have it both ways when they speak about certain issues. So we're talking about the issue of abortion. If you go to the homepage of the Irish Rover, the Catholic newspaper at Notre Dame, the website is irishrover.net. Now this made news, the original lawsuit, which occurred last summer, the summer of 2023, did make news. Catholic News Agency has a piece on it. You can do the research there. Just look up Irish Rover at the CNA website. But the good news came recently that after this professor, now she's a professor at Notre Dame, a Catholic college, and she has not hid, she's not hidden her views on abortion. She has been out there on, you know, formerly Twitter, now X. She's made statements at panel discussions, and she's openly admitted that she agrees with some things that the church teaches, but not all. And so the Irish Rover actually covered this panel discussion that she was in, And they did a story, had the accurate quotes, and she ends up suing last summer for defamation. However, as we mentioned, the good news is that Tamara Kay versus the Irish Rover, the case has been dismissed. So let me just read you the story in terms of just giving you an update. And I'm going to get into the um, details in terms of the great work that they, I mean, this is, it is great work, but what, what it is really is basic journalism 101 that the media don't do anymore. And oftentimes we see these good, solid, conservative journalists doing the the job that the uh, secular media should be doing. So again, this is a story that was posted earlier this week at theirishrover.net. The defamation lawsuit brought against the Irish Rover by Professor Tamara Kay in June of last year dismissed by the St. Joseph County, Indiana Superior Court. The court's ruling issued by Justice Stephen David held that the alleged defamatory statements were true within the meaning of the law, not made with malice, which is huge. There has to be malicious intent in terms of proving defamation. 
did not contain a defamatory inference, and there were no damages that were likely or casually linked to the Irish Rover articles. Dr. K's defamation claim fails, and the statements in the articles were lawful. The dismissal concludes a lawsuit brought against the Rover by Professor K, in which K claimed the Rover had defamed her through an October 2022 article on her public promotion of abortion and a March 2023 article reporting on a college Democrat's lecture. The initial legal complaint claimed that the rover has and continues to intentionally act with malice, wanton and willful misconduct, and a reckless disregard for the truth with the intent to damage and negatively impact the plaintiff. Okay, now, first of all, if you look at the original lawsuit that was filed, she did not. She made that statement, but she had no actual quotes or solid examples of what she was referring to in terms of malice, wanton and willful misconduct. And she is the one out there promoting abortion. The January 8th court order filed in the St. Joseph Circuit and Superior Courts concluded the allegedly defamatory statements were made in the furtherance of the defendant's right to free speech, were made in connection with the public issue, were made with good faith and with reasonable basis in law and fact. And this is what I think is super important. And this is what we have to remember and why when we're in a discussion with people about the pro-life issue, we have to ask questions. So this professor basically wants it both ways. She wants to claim that she can be Catholic, teach at a Catholic university, promote abortion, offer assistance to students to get abortions and birth control, and then when she's called out for it, she calls it defamatory. Now, this is the other thing that's going on here, though. I really think that in some way, or actually a big way, the Holy Spirit is working. I was talking with Elizabeth Hale, who's one of the young journalists, a friend of mine who was working on this story. And I said, so why is she upset about this story? It's free publicity. If she really believes what she's saying, that she wants to help students you know, in quote-unquote health care, and she hasn't been shy about her comments. However, she did remove her comments from her ex-file, formerly Twitter, because Elizabeth and the other students did their homework and were able to backtrack and go into her history and find a whole chain of where she was very openly pro-abortion. But you would think, hey, I'm reaching a new audience here. If I'm pro-abortion, why not shout it from the rooftops? But they want it both ways. They want to be able to support it, but then when they call, get called out for it publicly, they realize that something is rotten in Denmark. So I think there's a, a tug on the, on the heart there. I really do. And I'm hoping and praying that this professor will have a change of heart on this issue, especially because she claims to be Catholic. The court ruling affirmed that Kay cannot voluntarily put herself into the national abortion issue, either on the campus of Notre Dame or in a broader national forum. And this is, this is the court saying this. By making multiple strong statements in favor of abortion rights and access to abortion and expect that it will not become newsworthy at Notre Dame and elsewhere. The Indiana court ruling reaffirming the Rover's initial statement on the baseless lawsuit released last July, as stated then the articles were fair and accurate in all respects. The record will confirm this beyond this dispute. The Rover will not apologize for just and truthful reporting that helps Our Ladies University stay true to its Catholic mission. The newspaper says in filing and pursuing this lawsuit over the course of the last year, Kay attempted to silence, and this is, it's all about intimidation, silence and intimidate undergraduate students at her own university for accurately reporting on her public comments. Newspaper goes on to say, we hope that this ruling will serve to discourage such efforts to chill free speech. See, they want to have the right to say whatever they want about these leftist causes. But the minute they'll call, they're called out for it and reminded that, oh, wait a minute, you work at a Catholic university, they try to intimidate with a lawsuit or worse. We hope that this ruling will serve to discourage such efforts to chill free speech in the future and invigorate others to courageously exercise their right to freedom of speech in pursuit of the truth. Good for these students who are standing up and doing their homework as good journalists and calling out the hypocrisy and the double standard of this professor who wants it both ways when it comes to abortion. That's good, solid journalism, good, solid reporting on behalf of these amazing Catholic journalism students. Fact Check Friday, indeed. We'll be right back. 
wrapping up of Friday morning, 39 minutes past the hour. Always great to catch up with the wonderful folks at Ave Maria U in Naples, Florida. The president is on the phone with us, Mark Middendorf. And I love talking to the students at the March for Life. They're always there in a big presence. And it's just a, a great event to see so many on-fire young people, including those at Ave Maria University. So, Mark, there was a wonderful article that we had in the register, the National Catholic Register, about Mary's Marines. So tell us about this and where the idea came from. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Teresa, and thank you for having me on. And mm-hmm. Indeed, the March for Life, uh, that particular club, just as a side note for our students, is the, our largest club on campus. Wow. Uh, yeah, so as far as uh, Mary's Marines go, though, um, the idea, the name, uh, I got from Father Michael Gately, who did the 33 Days to Morning Glory mm-hmm. book on Mary and Consecration. That's where the name comes from. Uh, and then it also ties very nicely in with our founder, Tom Monahan, who uh, joined the Marines when he was 19 years old. A lot of oh, your listeners. Oh, that is have, so sweet. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, you know, cool. And, and a lot of your listeners may not know it, but Tom grew up in an orphanage. His mm-hmm. father passed away when he was four and a half years old. And then from there, he was in six different foster homes, I believe. And uh, just an amazing life story. So if your listeners get a chance to ever read. Joseph Pierce did a book on it called Monaghan of Life. It's a great inspirational book uh, of how one man's fiat changed so much mm-hmm. for, to the better for the church and our country. But So that's where the name comes from, Mary's Marines. The foundation of the program, though, is really tied to Archbishop Fulton Sheen, Venerable Archbishop Fulton Sheen. He spent his whole life, uh, even before he was ordained a priest, he had made a commitment to our Lord to make a daily holy hour. And he preached about it constantly in retreats and, and things like that. And a little over two and a half years ago, and I, I love Archbishop Fulton Sheen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had heard the talk a few different times, and I decided to make the same commitment myself uh, when I came down to Ave Maria University to make that daily holy hour. And it was just so transformational for my own for myself and my own personal life and, and basically it was just everything that Fulton Sheen said it did for him I I felt it for myself like you know the, the joy you know he says the time given to our Lord in daily adoration is where your true joy and happiness are to be found mm-hmm. and so that's where the foundation came from uh, as far as uh, that part of the idea for our students and the what we ask our students is to spend time every day in adoration and to become one of Mary's Marines. And if they do that, uh, if they make that commitment, uh, and we, we're blessed here, we have eight masses a day the students can go to during the week, and there's chapels practically in every building. So it's, you know, if you make a little mm-hmm. effort, it's not too difficult. But uh, if they do that, then what we do in return is we give them, it's called the Bible in a Year. It was uh, the Augustine Institute produced it, and, and we use that. Michael Schmitz, yep. Mm-hmm. yep. Yeah, and, uh, well, and Dr. Tim Gray. And this Dr. Tim Gray, yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, well, and Father Michael Schmitz is coming to do our commencement talk at graduation this year, so that's awesome. uh, that'll be special for us. But So we give them that because, obviously, the Word of God is the normative way God speaks to us, so... While they're in the Eucharistic presence, they're reading the Scripture. And, and why are we doing this? We're doing this to help them to really fulfill what St. Catherine of Siena said, be who God wants you to be. And you will set the and, world ablaze. I love that yes, quote, sorry. Yes, amen to that. <laughs> so, well, and that's kind of the, the you know, what we're trying to do here is, is help people discern. You know, we form the intellect. The, we got 35 majors, things like that with some of the best faculty in the world, but we also form the will, the love of God, and the virtues. And and so helping people discern what are their God-given gifts that only He gave to them is critical. You know, a lot of people live 20, 40, 60, 80 years and never really discern that. So for us, by becoming one of Mary's Marines, it will really help to that end, to discern their own God-given gifts, their vocation. And then the one other piece that we added to it um, and I got this idea. These, none of these are my original ideas. Uh, from It's a book from Ignatius Press called The Shadow of His Wings, and it's uh, the true story of this 
German seminarian drafted into Hitler's army whose mother died. He was fiercely adopted by these, this particular nun, and it's his time through the war, but it's the power of that one holy nun's prayer to change the course of that man's life. Mm. And, um, and so we had students this past summer call every poor clerk cloister in the country and about 40 other religious orders. We got the names of individual sisters and nuns that would volunteer to spiritually adopt each one of our students by Aww. name that would, that would make this, and then to pray for them for the next four years while they're here, and, uh, or however long they, they would be here for. And so we have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of sisters that have spiritually adopted, and those students can write to those sisters. Most of them, you can't call them because they're, especially if they're cloistered, but they can write letters back and forth. And that sister has adopted that student for as long as they're here at the university. And it's just amazing the fruit that we're seeing born on both people going into religious vocations and changing their majors to theology or philosophy, things like that, and just the testimonials from our, our students. I, there's, I'll give you one quote here from, uh, his name is Blaze. He's a psychology major here. He says, doing a holy hour every day has completely changed my life. By going to visit our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, my relationship and friendship with Jesus has deepened beyond anything I could have done outside of His presence. Wow. And it's just, uh, and then I'll give you one other one from Natalie, who's a senior nursing student here, on the adoption by the sister. She says, I cannot, I absolutely cannot express how happy I am to be adopted by a sister praying for me daily. So that's what, that's what Mary's Marines is about, and... Uh, uh, we're just blessed that so many students have uh, taken this on. And How many students so far, Mark? I don't even know the exact number, but it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of That's students awesome. on our campus are doing this now. So it's uh, and, and it grows because we I, we just had a, our spring semester start off, and we had a lot of students join, so we promoted it to them. So I'm not sure how many of those signed up or not. But uh, and then we have what we call our faith-based base faith-based households here. We have 19 different households uh, on campus, and even within those households, they really promote it as well. So it's been just a joy uh, to see the Adoration Chapel full of students uh, discerning their gifts and talents and getting close to our Lord. That's beautiful. Talking with Mark Minendorf, the president of Ave Maria University in Florida, Talking about Mary's Marines, the Register did a beautiful article on this recently. You can just do a search for it, Mary Marines on the Register, ncregister.com, but also go to the website for the university and to find out more about Mary's Marines, avemaria.edu forward slash marys-marines. This is something that's so important for a number of reasons, obviously for the spiritual growth and understanding of the Eucharist on the part of your students, but those relationships are forming with those beautiful sisters, but also, Mark, and, and I'm sure this didn't go unnoticed by, by you and your organizers for this, with the Eucharistic Congress and the bishop's emphasis on the Eucharist this year. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, well, I love everything that's going on regarding that whole movement. And, uh, you know, our hope is that you, you see a lot of Eucharistic Adoration Chapels springing up all over the United States, and that's been going on, I think, for about 10 years. And, uh, yeah, I think spending time with our, our Lord every day is so critical. There's a great quote Fulton Sheen says on why he does it, why he did it. He says, the reason above all reasons to spend time with our Lord in adoration, it is because, and these are his words, it is because it is the one thing Jesus asked his apostles to do. He didn't ask them to fast 40 days in the desert or spend all night in prayer on a mountaintop or share in his agony on the cross. But he did ask them on the night before he was crucified. Stay with me for one hour. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Peter, James, and John to watch with him and pray one hour. Mm -hmm. And why? You know, and I think it's, especially in this culture today, you know, this can be a sure anchor in this sea of spiritual chaos that we are in, and, and and God can use it in a powerful way. And we, of course, at Ave Maria University, we promote very strongly Marian consecration. And uh, we have all of our students, we're going to be watching that using Father Gately's 33 Days Morning Glory uh, for this coming March. And uh, 
but don't do it alone is what we tell our students. You know, consecrate yourself to our Blessed Mother if you're going to embark on this journey and, uh, and really an adventure. I mean, I think your listeners will be transformed if they make this kind of a commitment. Yeah, and I felt it was super important is to associate this with the great uh, doctor of the church, St. Catherine of Siena, because she had such a devotion to the Eucharist, and she subsisted on the Eucharist, and she died very young, the mm. same age of our Lord, at 33 years old. But in order to, to understand the importance, Mark, of the saints in our lives, and to learn more about this this great teacher, Catherine of Siena. Yeah, she's, uh, it's, it's so amazing. My youngest daughter, I, I've had Two of my children have graduated from Ave, uh, and I have a daughter here right now. She's a junior, and she showed me, I'd totally forgotten about it. Uh, yesterday she came, she was over at our house, and uh, in her yearbook when she was in high school, Chris, my wife and I put that quote from St. Catherine, you know, be who God wants to, you to be, and you will set the world on fire. And I'd kind of forgotten about all that. And, yeah, I think the saints can be such an inspiration to us. Uh, and, you know, every day in the Magnificat, when you see different uh, write-ups they have on different mm-hmm, saints, it's mm-hmm. just so inspiring and uh, and uplifting. Like, you know, we're not in this alone. Right. And uh, so... Yeah, well, also, St. Catherine of Siena, you talk about spiritual chaos. <laughs> what was going on in the church well, at the time of her life, for crying out loud? You think we have issues? Look at her life. I mean, it's like a walk in the park, as Dr. Bunsen said earlier this week on my show. We were talking about all the confusion that's out there right now. So this is this is just so wonderful. And the other thing that you're doing, and you know this as a father and also as a university president, is you're helping these young people establish a pattern of really important prayer in their lives. Right. Yeah, I wish I had. Fu- yes, I wish I had found out about this when I was their age. And uh, even though I was baptized Catholic and went to a Catholic grade school and high school and worked at a retreat center, my boss was a priest. You know, I would say I I never really discovered the, that form of prayer, Eucharistic adoration. Uh, maybe it wasn't promoted. Maybe it wasn't. I wasn't listening or open to it. But whatever the cause was is. Uh, I think Eucharistic adoration and the church, you see it so promoted, I mean, just promoted in such an incredible way these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it's because we need it. Yeah, we need it big time. Mark, God bless you for your great work at the university. Mark Middendorf is the president of Ave Maria University in Naples, Florida. Beautiful campus, AveMaria.edu. Uh, is the website, and also for Mary's Marines, you can check it out, avemaria.edu forward slash Mary's dash Marines. We'll have a link to the register article on our archive section at avemariaradio.net. Just go to Catholic Connection. Mark, thank you so much, and uh, God bless you for all the great work you're doing. Thank you so much, Teresa, for having us on. And if you see my friend Tom Monahan, tell him I said hi. I will do that. All right. God bless. Have a great weekend. Again, Mark Middendorf, president of Ave Maria U and beautiful campus, wonderful school. If you get a chance, if you're in Florida, go by. They'll give you a tour. The students are great. Uh, Oh, my gosh. It's just a beautiful, beautiful campus and so much great Catholicism going on there and great teaching. We will uh, wrap up Catholic Connection. Thanks for tuning in. I just want to remind you for all the events for the upcoming March for Life. I should say the different marches because we're covering more than one. Don't forget to go to EWTN.com. Doug went through a whole host of things that we're going to be covering, and it is going to be a very, very busy week for us, both behind the scenes and on camera and on the air. But everything is going to be registered information. If you say, gosh, what's going on today, what's going on, you know, maybe Thursday, Friday, Saturday, there's all kinds of activities, not just the different marches, as Doug was saying. You have masses, you have retreats, you have conferences, you have different speakers. And we'll be there covering pretty much all of it, whether it's in D.C. or San Francisco or Los Angeles. But all the details can be found at EWTN.com. And the link to the register article as well, you can find, again, the interview with Mark as well. If you want to re-listen to it or share it, just go to our archive section. We will be right back to wrap up a Friday and let you know what's coming up on Monday. Stay tuned. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. 
More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's Choice in Senior Home Care. I was sitting in my home office listening to Father John Ricardo talk about what God thinks of us. I realize that as I get older, I care a lot less about what the world thinks and much more about what God does. I used to be so concerned about hiding my political views and religious beliefs, fearing liberal members of the media would grow to dislike me and not want to cover my client's stories as a communication strategist. As my faith grew, my worry decreased. At the end of the day, God is all that matters. Jesus tells us that we'll be hated as his followers, and I'm just fine with that. When I posted about how degrading the 2020 Super Bowl halftime show was with Jennifer Lopez, a couple of those liberal reporters chimed in and disagreed with me immediately. I looked at their comments, said a little prayer, and went on with my day, believing God would be pleased with me. This has been a Christ-centered communication message. I'm Vanessa Dunhagarmo, a communications evangelist. This week on Christ is the Answer, Father John wants to tell us who Jesus really is. In the Synoptic Gospels, there's a famous story about Jesus and his disciples going into the district of Caesarea Philippi. After inquiring about what the people were saying about him, Jesus then turns to his followers and asks, But who do you say that I am? Join us this week as Father John helps us look introspectively into our hearts as our Lord still asks this same question to each of us today. Tune in for Christ is the Answer, Monday through Fridays at 11 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio. Wishing you a blessed and safe weekend. Please be safe out there. The weather is going to be pretty crazy in various parts of the country. Coming up on Monday, we have a great show. We have the Sidewalk Advocates for Life as they're getting ready to head down to D.C. for the March for Life. Gail Buckley with our Scripture Verse of the Week. And more information on the Irish Rover standing up for truth and life in journalism. Have a great weekend. Wishing you a beautiful, beautiful weekend. And we'll talk to you on a Monday. Ciao, ciao. You've been listening to Catholic Connection with Teresa Tamio. Catholic Connection is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Our producer is Andrew Kruchek. For copies of this program or for more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E Maria Radio.net. Thanks for listening and join us next time for another edition of Catholic Connections.